Well, good morning. I was like three of you. Come on. Good morning. Hey, would you stand with us? And let's just begin to posture our hearts uh, for worship this morning. Uh, we come in here for really one reason, is to meet with, with our God, to meet with Jesus, to see him again for who he is, to have him set our heart and our mind and our will right again. And so uh, let's just commit our time to that. Um, will you do that with me? Um, let's pray real quick, and then I'm going to read this psalm. Father, thank you for your good presence. You promise that you are with us when we are here for you together. So, God, we want to set our hearts and our minds on you in this place right now and ask you to be, make yourself uh, present in a way that we can see you and know you feel you and that your spirit would change us in this hour. Hear the word of the Lord from Psalm 105. Church, give praise to the Lord this morning. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell of all of his wonderful acts glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always.
Have a seat. Well, good morning and a beautiful Lord's Day to you. My name is Mark Thompson. I am the father of Michelle Amonti 
and the proud grandfather of Asher William Monty, whom I will be baptizing this morning. Asher remembers sensing his need for Jesus to save him from his sin when he was just four or five and listening to some Bible stories at our home. Soon afterwards, he was very eager to tell a, a friend's father about becoming a Christian. A staff member here uh, at the church shared how Asher, at the very beginning of that same kindergarten school year, buddied up to her somewhat shy uh, son and very quickly asked him, do you know Jesus? Recently, I asked Asher why he wanted to be baptized, and he said, I want to tell others about Jesus and to follow him. The Apostle John, in the sunset years of his life, reflected back on what gave him the greatest fulfillment, and he exclaimed, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. In many ways, baptism is a beginning of that obedient walk in the truth of God's Word. And so, Asher, it, it gives me great pleasure to ask you, have you, have you confessed with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believed in your heart that God has raised him from the dead? Very good. Are you trusting in Jesus alone for the payment for your sin? Very good. And so, Asher, it, it gives me great pleasure to, to, upon your profession of faith, to baptize you in the name of the Father, who from all of eternity chose you unto salvation, and of the Son, who died and was buried for the payment for your sin, and of the Holy Spirit, who raised you again to a new life of obedience, service, and worship. Amen. We celebrate them, new life all the time, and we are so grateful that we get to be a part of that and to celebrate that with this family. Hey, my name is Doug, and welcome to... Uh, our, our gathering today. If this is your very first time with us, we want to say a special welcome to you and just say we'd love to get to know you, to meet you. We've got some folks in the foyer that would love to just connect with you and answer any questions that you have. Hey, we've had some graduations around here the last couple of weeks. And so for those of you who've graduated, for those of you who have family members that you finally got graduated, um, just give yourselves a hand. Congratulations. You know, uh, those of you who've been around a while, you know, I talk about having several children. There were times when uh, the, I had a couple that got through by the grace of God and their mama. And um, so you know what I'm talking about. So it is a good thing. So we celebrate you for that. And uh, listen, we are closing up our, our series on the image of God today. And we're moving into a new series that's called Rhythms. Um, and I've been made aware that Maybe you don't know what that is, and so I probably ought to tell you what is our new next series is going to be about. It's about developing spiritual rhythms in your life that will deepen your walk with the Lord and your fellowship with Him. Um, you may, over the years, you may have heard them called spiritual disciplines, and those are some of the things that we're going to be talking about. But mainly, just talking about how do I get in just a regular rhythm of of walking with the Lord and and letting Him transform my heart my mind, and my life. And so that's what this next series is going to be about, some of those things, practices that we can develop. And so we have a, our study guide for the series out in the foyer that's available to you. You can grab one as you go out. About, um, I want to say about eight or nine years ago, uh, Mark Schatzman came to me and said, hey, I met this guy that I really want you to know about. At that time, I was doing global outreach for Mosaic Congregation, and, uh, and he said, I want you to know about this guy, and 
and he began to tell me about the ministry that he was doing. He said he started this ministry in this one area, and now they've moved into, uh, they moved into India, and, and it's just incredible the things that God is doing in that ministry. And so our heart and our desire and our vision is uh, at Fellowship and in our global outreach is that we want to see churches planted among unreached people groups that are locally led and self-sustaining and reproducing. That's what we want to see happening. And, and Mark said, that's what's going on in India. So in, on 20, in 2016, I got on a plane with a group of other folks. We went to North India, and we got to see firsthand what God was doing, and it was just amazing. Uh, I met some of the most incredible local believers, both pastors and, and just faithful followers of Jesus, who just had a passion to reach their own people for Jesus. And we were seeing villages whole villages come into Christ, and we were seeing churches planted, and, and I would give you the numbers, you wouldn't believe them. So anyway, it's just amazing. And uh, so that guy that I met, his name is Kevin Phillips, and he started an organization called For All Mankind Movements. Uh, we just call it FAM around here, and it is one of the organizations that we at Fellowship Bentonville partner with. Uh, because we want to be a partner with folks who are doing the kind of work uh, that, that is our passion and our heart. Kevin's a local guy. Grew up here in northwest Arkansas. He'll tell you a little bit more about himself when he gets up here. But we've asked him to come and, and wrap this series up. So, Kevin, you want to come on up? We've asked him to come and wrap this season, this series up uh, so that we can close talking about how do we, as image bearers of God, how do we connect with God on his mission and live that out day in and day out. So, Kevin, welcome. Uh, bring us the word, brother. Okay, thank you very much. Well, good morning, everyone. Man, I tell you what, I, I am honored and privileged to get to stand up in my hometown and get to preach the gospel today. I mean, I'm a Bentonville guy. Now, I live in Houston, Texas now, all right? But it was 90 degrees when I left and 80-some percent humidity. We hit the airport yesterday, and it was like, man, whoo, it's nice here. I mean, it's been some good weather you guys have. So thanks for ordering that in for us as Brooke and I come home a little bit. Uh, lived in Dubai for about 10 years. Is where we started our ministry and expanded as we worked with immigrant laborers and then let them expand back to their countries. We were just focused on reaching, equipping, and sending, believing that God could bring about kingdom movements, sweeping entire people in. You know, Doug talked about how you guys partner with us, really joined together to work in India where we can see beautiful, wonderful people who desperately need Jesus to be able to experience everything that most of us have been able to experience with him. And in that place right now, I just want to let you guys in a little insider knowledge, a little insider baseball. We've been going for about 14 years. You've partnered with us for about eight of that. And this month, we're just about to celebrate our one millionth person reached before our 14th year anniversary. Amen. So thank you guys for partnering with us in that. Now, let's get into it a little bit. I, like I said, I'm a local guy, right? I, I'm, I'm so Bentonville. I don't know, some of you guys may be transplants in. You may not be from here, right? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're adopted, but you may not be. I'm so Bentonville, there wasn't a Washington Junior High when I was here. Anybody else, all right? I am a Walton Junior High guy. That's how Bentonville I am, right? I'm so Bittenville, when I drive around the square now, I'm like, oh, wait a second, why are people going all directions around the square? All right, what's up with that? It was one direction. Even if it was a police escort like I've had, it was one direction. Right? Now, being this is my hometown, I'm not gonna indulge in nostalgia and take you through all my old war stories. Any of my old friends that are here, we can talk about it later. But anyway, I wanna celebrate with you what happens when an individual like you, like me, allows the full weight of the image of God to be realized within their life. Just as you've been talking about in this whole series, and like Doug hit last week when he shared that meta-narrative of God's promise and his plan of rescue. Doug talked about last week how God had a plan A, and when he looked through the ups and downs of the timeline of the history of man, it seems like, man, what happened to plan A? Doug told us, Plan A is still plan A, that God wants to fill the earth with a people who are set apart for him 
and have those people continue to fill the earth with people just like them who can be yielded to Christ. Let the rule of God come over their life and then living that abundant life with Jesus on this earth right now as kingdom citizens, amen? That's what we're striving for. That's plan A. But when I thought about the message I heard last week as I watched it online and thought about getting to come in and talk about this series with you, I wanted to talk about the image of God revealed in heart. You see, when you hear about God's redemptive plan and you see the realities of the ups and downs of it, bring some questions up to us. Some questions like, so what was God's heart in it all? And as we see how it actually played out, can God's heart actually be trusted? You know, I think for a lot of us in the room, we want to trust God's heart. We want to trust his motives and intentions. But we're reserving, yielding our life to him because we're still questioning, can I trust God's heart in it all? And what would it look like if I can trust God's heart? What would it look like for my heart to start beating in rhythm with God's heart? Instead of beating after my own desires, instead of beating after my own wishes and ambitions and vanities, what would it look like if I can trust God's heart to let my heart beat and pound on every beat and get right in rhythm with the heart of God and be part of his plan for bringing the freedom and hope that we've received to everyone who's living without it around the world and right here in Northwest Arkansas. So, you know, when we talk about heart, with the American idioms and expressions we use for heart, understanding God's heart, even knowing our own heart, it can be a little bit tricky, right? So I want us to just stretch that out a little bit, and I'm going to need some audience participation to help with this. So I'm going to lay out kind of some expressions, and then you help me end with what we would say when this takes place. Let me get you going. Uh, when we experience great disappointment, we might say, my heart was broken, all right? Okay, you can just shout them out. We'll go pretty quick here, all right? When someone is telling the truth, they would say, I cross my heart and hope to. Oh, yeah, now you're on, okay. Now, if we want to make someone jealous, if we really want them to get envious, we would say, eat your, eat your heart out. Oh, they knew that one, Doug, a little too much, all right? Yeah, a little too much, all right? Uh, when doing what you feel is right, we say someone is following their, following their heart. When you're changing one's mind, we say, I had a change of. Yeah, we have all kinds of expressions. When someone uh, who is trustworthy, we would say they have a heart of gold, heart of gold. Uh, when someone is well-meaning or with right intentions, even if they don't do a real good job, we say, well, their heart was in the they're in the right place, right? And then when we're, when we're surprised by something, we would say, oh, man, my heart skipped a, skipped a beat. Now, to confide in someone, right? Hey, we're going to get heart to heart here. We would say, I really poured my heart. I poured it out, right? We have all kinds of expression for the human heart. But when courage is needed, we say to someone, take, take heart. Man, the heart is tricky to understand. We have all kinds of ways of describing it, explaining it, the way we use it. When we look at the biblical concept of the human heart, it's really described in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. I want you to take a look at it. It says, above all else, now that's a big indicator when you look at Scripture, above all else, guard your heart. So guard what? It's tricky. It's hard to understand. Above all else, guard your heart. Why? For everything you do flows from it. You know, in the culture of Scripture, the heart was considered where you process your intellect. It was where you generate your physical life. It was considered to be the center or the seat of your emotion and your feelings. And in the culture of the Bible, when people described their heart, they were talking about 
the place where you shape your values, you shape your choices, and where you shape your motivations. So when we think about an expression like, give your heart to Jesus, some people really play that down, but I like to see it's where I'm intellectually processing what it means to know God. And I'm processing that through this biblical concept of heart. I'm not checking my intellect at the door and approaching God just off whim or what someone said. I bring my intellect to it. Man, I'm giving my whole heart and my intellect to Christ. It's where I generate my physical life and I want my whole life and the seat of my, the throne of my life to be yielded to Christ, even in a physical way. And even my emotions and my feelings, I want to lay them down at the foot of Jesus Listen, we are emotional beings. We don't approach this just in a stoic fashion, just approaching God like robots. Man, we bring our emotion and feelings, but we yield them to Christ, saying, be the Lord of that. I give you this in my life, and my choices I shape now, and the choices I shape for the future, and the motivations of my life are yielded to the control of Christ. I am applying all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength to him. Now, I want you to get that concept of the culture of Scripture when they talk about the heart as we get into looking at the image of God that's expressed in heart. Man, I tell you what, I think this church has a lot of heart. So let's get into what that looks like and how we would express it, how it's applied. So with that biblical concept in mind, we look at God's heart expressed, his life-giving power, his knowledge, his wisdom, God's feelings, his motivations, his heart that he takes and he places inside of those who give their lives to Christ, that God takes his heart and he births it into us. And then we can join him in bringing about his kingdom for all people, in all places, and for all generations. You see, the Great Commission, as you know it, go, make disciples, all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then teach them to be obedient to everything I've commanded you. Listen, that's a really condensed version of God's heart for all people, all places, in all generations. But I think here's what we need to get a grip on today, especially a church like this. The Great Commission is not a one and done. Hey, there was a people group sometime, someday, and they heard of Christ, but no more. Listen, it's for all people, in all places, across all generations till Jesus returns. Yeah, I'm a local guy. But man, I, I walked around the square last night, did a little reminiscing tour with my wife, driving, we went to Lake Atlanta, we went to Bella Vista, we did the old haunts, you know, we did it all, right? But this is a whole different generation in Northwest Arkansas than my generation. There's a whole group of immigrants that have moved in here that are in desperate need of Christ, now finding themselves in proximity to believers like you in churches like this. And God's heart is for all people in all places for all generations, man, that is God's heart. And to get a little clearer picture, I want to just express God's heart just a little bit more for you. Maybe you could even say in like a stained glass version where we see God's heart revealed at a real high level in the lion and the lamb just like we sang about. If you look at Revelation chapter five, it's gonna be on the screen. We get a picture of how God is revealing his heart. It's, it's beautiful imagery of this lion and this lamb that shows us the heart of God. I'm gonna tell you why that's important in a moment, but I want you to capture what God is communicating to us about his heart. How is, is our heart gonna beat in rhythm with his if we don't see it clearly on his terms and in the picture and in the parameters that he's created for us to see it. Not how we imagined it, not how we would desire it, not how we wish it, but how it is. And Revelation 5 gets us in there. God is bringing about his kingdom. But there's something that's getting in the way of his kingdom coming. There's something that needs to be done that no one is worthy to do. 
As John observes this in Revelation 5, here's what he says. He's all distraught about it. Verse 5 says this. Then one of the elders in the heavenly realm said to me, do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, he has triumphed. Man, I want you to see God's heart here. God's heart revealed is in the imagery of a roaring lion, one who triumphs, one who conquers, one who defends us, one who provides for us, one who protects us. He exudes all the strength and power of a strong, roaring lion. Man, God wants you to see his strong heart, his powerful heart, his life-changing heart, his authoritative heart, and see that he has the power to overcome, no matter what we're facing, even to bring about the culmination of the kingdom of God. Man, he shows his heart in a lion that he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Because in verse 6, the stained glass kind of imagery opened up another window pane for us to see the heart of God. It's very important. You see, God not only reveals himself as a roaring, strong, authoritative, powerful, life-changing lion, but in verse 6, we see another example. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne of God, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, and they, they were, which were the seven spirits of God who were sent into all the earth. I want you to see something today. If we're going to capture God's heart, we see that strong lion heart but you can't get the heart of God without seeing the Lamb. Standing before the throne of God, standing in between God and the rest of humanity, offering himself up as a sacrifice and seeing him in all the vivid, colorful details of if a lamb had been slain, is the image of the heart of God standing before the world, representing them to the throne of the heavenly Father. Guys, when we see God's heart revealed, we see him sacrificing. We see him triumphing. We see him getting victory for all who claim his name. But how do we take something of that high imagery and actually apply it to our life? Well, I like this. Take a look with me now where Paul is going to take this high imagery, high symbolism even, and distill it down for believers just like us to say how can we do something about it in our lives as kingdom citizens right here on the earth, particularly in northwest Arkansas. And to really distill down the heart of God for us, Paul does it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Verse 17 through 19. I want to share it with you real quick. He says, okay, what the lion is doing, what the lamb has done, how do we distill that down and apply it to our own heart? Here's what he says. I want you to get a, I want you to get a handle for it, Paul was saying. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. He says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And in that reconciliation, he then gives us a ministry of reconciliation for others. That God was bringing the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And then committing to us that same message to share. Guys, I'm bringing the 2 Corinthians and the Revelation text together to give you a practical place to apply the heart of God. And here's the application. Well, verse 17 is showing us we apply God's heart this way, where God's heart becomes our heart. 
born in 1973 right here in Bentonville, Arkansas. Graduating high school here in 1992, 30 years ago. The best gift I received in growing up in this community was where God's heart invaded my heart. Man, he changed this corrupt heart. He changed the way I saw God, the way I saw people. He changed the way I saw myself. Man, he rescued my heart. Man, God's heart is for his heart to become our heart, right? Where he comes in, gives us a new heart, and gives us a new understanding about uh, us intellectually in the way I think, the way I process. He gives us a new understanding of who we are physically and who we belong to. He gives us a new understanding of who we are spiritually and the freedom that we found in Christ and he even gives us victory and hope emotionally to where he takes over every part of our life and what happens when we apply God's heart to ours and he takes over and invades every space. Something awesome happens. Something freeing happens. Something life-changing happens and we figure out who we are in Christ. Now I tell you, you meet a woman who knows who she is in Christ, you see a woman that has been set free. You see a teenager who knows who they are in Christ, you see someone who's rising above and having victory when all others are failing next to them. When you see a marriage who knows each one who they are in Christ, you see a unit that's coming together that can be life, world, changing. Man, we know who we are in Christ when God gives us that new heart. And he invades every space. Guys, this is God's heart. For you, for every people, in every place, across every generation, his heart becomes our heart. Beating every beat in rhythm with his. Trying to dial it in. Get into that step with Christ. Well, if God has a heart, what is his heart cry? What's his heart cry? What is God's heart proclaiming? Real easy to say. It's found right there in verse 20. In verse 20, he says, not only is there a great blessing that comes from verse 17, but there's a responsibility that comes for when I give you this new heart, I give you a commission. And that commission is to therefore you are Christ's ambassador. Get this. As if God were making his appeal, giving his heart cry through us. What did he say? He said, we implore you on Christ's behalf. Here's his heart cry. Be reconciled to God. That is the heart cry of God. Be reconciled to me. Now, when we see God's heart cry and we apply it to our life, we get a new assignment. We get a new message. We are ambassadors. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation, helping lost people and God be joined together through Christ. He gives us a message that's burning on our lips, pulsating through our heart as it beats with his, and it is to proclaim to others, be reconciled to God. But just as God has a heart cry, he also has a heart ache. And God's heart ache is when people claim the blessing of verse 17, but ignore the responsibility of verse 18 through 20. Let me show you what I mean by that. How many of you in the room today, you can give a nod, you can raise your eyebrows, you can kind of do like this, you know, you can shout pig suey, whatever you want to do, and you can say, hey, yes, I'm trusting, I'm believing, I'm claiming that I am a new creation in Christ. Anybody out there? Okay, okay, great, most, okay. All right, how many also would say, yes, I'm living under the promise, I'm counting on it, I'm trusting, I'm believing, the old is gone and the new has come. Would you get any amens from that? Okay, yeah, I'm counting on this. I'm trusting in this. My hope is placed in this. 
I have been made a new creation in Christ. Man, God's heartache is when we claim that blessing, but we just ignore the responsibility that comes with it. You see, you cannot claim the blessing of verse 17 and not accept the responsibility of verse 18, 19, and 20. For they go hand in hand, they cannot be separated. If you are a new creation, you are also an ambassador. If the old is gone and the new has come, you have also at the same time received the ministry of reconciliation. God's heart cry wants to echo through your life. Listen, here's the only thing. The lion, he's roaring. He's doing his part. The lamb has done his part. What God wants to do is he wants to amplify his heart cry through each and every one of our lives. And here's what I need to say to you today. Why is the volume turned down so low? Listen, when it comes to proclaiming God's heart cry, how to be reconciled with him to our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers. It seems like we're riding around with the windows up with the volume turned down low so we don't disturb the neighbors when we roll through town. Man, it seems like what we need to do is roll the windows down, crank it up to 10, and let the lion roar, right? Man, I tell you, I was praying about you guys. And I visited the Mosaic service when you first start partnering with us I'm going to be very transparent now. I got upset. And it wasn't your fault. It was all mine. But I looked at the amazing people that are found in fellowship. I know you guys have been around for about 35 years, 40 years even. And I was like, where were you when I was broken? Where were you? Where were these great people? I didn't see you. I didn't know you. When I was chasing after every vice I could chase after, when I was completely insecure, when I was angry at the world and just wanted it to burn, I didn't know you folks. And then I remembered I visited your church 27 years ago at the Lowell campus. And someone stood in a pulpit similar to this, and he said something. He go, and I didn't understand it, but I think I understand it now. He goes, man, we are the best kept secret in Northwest Arkansas. Hey, that needs to change, right? I think you're doing a great job at that over the last 20 years. But listen, fellowship, it's time to let the secret sauce get out, right? It's time for everybody from teenagers to kids just like Asher to moms and dads and business professionals and coaches and student athletes. It's time for grandmas and grandpas to turn the volume up. Let the secret out, amen? It's not Colonel Sanders' seven original herbs and spices, right? Let the secret sauce go. You've got it. You're a new creation in Christ. Man, the old's gone, the new has come. It'll do your neighbors good to hear the volume cranked up a little bit, right? Hey, it's gonna do them good. To hear that message, let's let the lion roar. So here's the thing. What's God's remedy for us? You see, God's remedy for this heart problem, it's not with his heart. His heart's fine. But God has a remedy for our hearts. That chase after everything under the sun, that beat to our own rhythm. So how does our heart get in beat with his? What's God's remedy for us? Simple. I'm going to say it to you. Straight. Let the lion roar. Let him roar. Now I want you to see a video real quick. How about a man that you help partner with with us for our whole work in India? And I want you just to see how loud the lion could roar through this man's life and through our partnership. And we'll come back and wrap up the message.
It's one of my best friends. What you don't know about him is his, he was born to a leprous mother. His father abandoned him when he was young. Got caught up in all kinds of vice. There were three temples that triangulated his house, speaking down opposition against he and his family his whole life in his little home village. He had to ride a bicycle about 45 miles the first time to actually hear the gospel. He responded to it, and then he had to ride back and forth 45 miles just to attend a little church in his area of India. Went to a Bible college, taught himself how to speak English. At that Bible college, he received a vision that he'd reach a million people for Jesus. I met him three days after I moved to Dubai. That was 14 years ago, and we've partnered together ever since. But here's my statement. This young guy, seemingly insignificant person, from humble means, against immense persecution, who could have ever imagined how loud the lion could roar through this guy's life? What I know about him and what he would say to you is it is nothing unique to him or special about him that would exclude you from letting the lion roar as loud as possible through your life. So let's get down to the heart of the matter to wrap this thing up. What is keeping the lion from roaring in your life? What's causing the volume to be turned down? What's, what's causing the reach to be stunted? To get to the heart of the matter, I have one last question for you. Simple. When I was 18 years old, right here in your town, I asked myself the same question. How loud will you let the lion roar through your life? Practically, when it comes to your prayers, how loud will you let the lion roar through your prayers as you talk to God about people before you talk to people about God? How loud will you let him roar? When it comes to your proclamation, having gospel conversations with people at teachable moments, but doing it with great boldness? How loud will you let the lion roar through your proclamation in those gospel conversations? Casually, every day, in your normal rhythms and circles of influence. In your giving. How loud will you let the lion roar through your generosity and sacrificial giving. Man, I say you give as big and as deep as you can and let the lion roar. And in your going, whether it be the neighbors who look just like you, at the same socioeconomic level, or if they look nothing like you, and they came from halfway around the world and found themselves in the Ozarks with you as their neighbor. And you may be the first true born-again kingdom citizen that they've ever had proximity with. Whether you're going to neighbors or whether you're going to nations with us on a mission trip, how loud will you let the lion roar through your obedience in going? As we get ready to have some time of reflection and just soaking on today's message. Here's the last thing I want to say to you guys. Because you're in Christ, you have the secret sauce. I challenge you. Let the lion roar from Fellowship Bentonville. Amen? Thank you for letting me speak to you. We are gonna take a moment um, just to breathe and exhale and place ourselves before God and say, what is keeping you from roaring through my life? And just inviting the Holy Spirit to heal that part of our hearts 
so that we can really absorb his and live it out as we leave this place. So will you stand with me and just let this, this wash over you as Hannah sings it at first and then you can join in and we will fill this place with our worship.
rise in this place and adore him in a moment like this but it's another to walk out the door and just live it out step by step every day with the people God places right in front of you how are you going to let him live through you so this great old hymn take my life and let it be let it be our prayer. I want you to pray this with me as we sing it together. And just we have to offer our hearts to God and let him shape our hearts and lead us out. I'm so grateful for the message this morning. Let's take him seriously. Let's offer our hearts to him. Let's say thank you to Kevin.
Quick reminder before we leave, next week or this weekend is family camp, so next Sunday, children's ministry in this room. It'll be good. We'll have fun. Yeah, it's going to roar and, and make a few other noises, and it'll be fine. We'll love it, okay? Uh, just a quick reminder that we uh, do have the, uh, the books for sale out in, in the foyer for our next series. If you want to grab those on your way out. Hey.